So here's the deal. This is what we're going to do. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 28. And, and while you're turning there, um, what, what I want us to, to, to finish today is this series, as you see all the puzzle pieces up here, this uh, Pieces to the Puzzle series. Uh, I'm going to give you what um, the picture is, and then we're going to talk about three things, and then you can go outside, and then you can enjoy the, the, the sunshine, uh, because I, I know that's what everybody wants to do, because uh, it's the first really, really sunny Sunday uh, of the year. So um, I'll stay focused. <laughs> Come on now. That's what I love. You know, I, I just read this book about small churches and everything like that and how, um, you know, people all want these big churches. You know, I, I think there's, there's great value in the small church because we could do something that a big church can't. And, that, and this is not so we don't invite people, invite people to church. We can still be a big, small church. Um, but we can do something that a big church can. We can be relational. And we need to work on those relationships with one another. So uh, in, the, in the weeks to come here, we're going to do a series uh, that I'm entitling Healthy Church. And we're going to talk about three things. And one of those three things is uh, the, the um, understanding of what relationships are and how they are vital to what it is that we are as Christians. Not just as church people, but as Christians. So um, that's going to be fun. But today what we're going to do is we're going to finish the puzzle. Uh, and I, I'll give you the, the, the picture right off the bat. And then uh, you can, while I'm uh, talking and giving you some more information, you can zone out and think about all of the other information you already got. Uh, it, so when you're nodding off, I'm think, I know that you're just thinking about what you're meditating, right? You're not sleeping. All right, well, I'm cool with that. As long as it pre um, perceived uh, well, right? That's what Ogre told me one time. He's like, you know, I don't care if people talk behind my back as long as they don't do it in front of my face. Because if they do it behind my back, at least I still think they like me. <laughs> it works, right? No, I'm just playing. So, um, no, he did say that. I'm not playing about that. I don't know. I'm sorry, Ogre. You'll never tell me anything ever again, will you? I know you don't. Pieces to the puzzle. All throughout the, these last few weeks, and even last week with, uh, with Kurt, and, and by the way, Kurt did a fantastic job. I, I love seeing and listening to, to Kurt preach. Um, and, uh, but but we, what we did over these last few weeks is we, we put these pieces of the puzzle together. We did not know what the picture was beforehand. I did, um, but y'all didn't. And, and what we have done is we've revealed something that I think is important to us. Uh, and, and that in which we revealed, and I'll shut up and get to it really quick, that in which we've revealed, the picture in which we um, are seeing, if we step back and we look at all of those sermons and all of those pieces of the puzzle, they all point to one thing that is near and dear to the heart of Jesus, and that's discipleship. So the puzzle that we put together were elements of discipleship. So as you're thinking back through the faith and the hope and the relational, um, the, the relation aspect, and last week, uh, Kurt continued on with that, that, that relational aspect. Um, all of this has to do with discipleship. And if I'm going to preach on discipleship, uh, I think that we need to start where um, most people, uh, I want to say most people end. And I, I, I say that very loosely because I think it, 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 it stinks that it happens this way. But I think that we all know what Jesus says, but then there's a, there, there, there's a riff in there. So in, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 16, we see uh, that um, now the disciples are, are uh, 
Um, they're, they're together. They, they've went to where Jesus told them to go. This is after Jesus has risen from the dead. This is after a, a period of uh, 40 days that Jesus was um, risen from the dead. This is before he ascends. This is actually the, when he's getting ready to ascend up into heaven. And he, as they come together, it says this, verse 16, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee. Why is there 11? Anybody? Judas killed himself. I better get rid of my gum. I heard that's bad to do public speaking with gum. Anyway, so no Judas here. So this is just 11 disciples. It says that now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. So Jesus had a plan, and I love this about our Lord and Savior, that Jesus had a plan. He communicated that plan. And not only did he communicate that plan, his disciples actually followed the directions, right? Oh, it's good, right? So, so what, 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 what am I implying? Very, what am I laying on very thick? Well, you're right. The, the, the directions are good to follow when given by Jesus. All right. Let that sink in. And go. All right, seven, 17. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Okay, so they come together, they see Jesus, and it says some worshiped him and some doubted. Um, it, it, I've always kind of like... Uh, poked fun over this, this passage a little bit where, you know, they're, they're coming together and Jesus is ascending up into heaven and some are like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's real. Well, as I was studying it this week, I really started to meditate on it. What, what, what does this look like? What, what do you mean some doubted? What was it that they doubted? And I, I looked through a whole bunch of, uh, of different commentaries. I looked at a whole bunch of different Bible study stuff. And there's no clarity. Even I went back to the, the original, and there's no clarity in the wording of, of that doubting. Some say, well, it's a, it could have been a hesitation. Well, as I'm looking at this, I, I look what comes after it. But I, I look at, so there was basically two groups with inside the group. There were the, the disciples that had worshipers, and they had doubters among themselves, Right? Well, and some will say, well, that was Thomas. No, at this point, Thomas is not doubting anymore. So he was probably not one of the doubters. But, but among that group, there was worshipers and there was doubters. And I think that, that, that we can relate to that at some level. No one in here is going to probably raise their hand and say, I'm a doubter, I'm a doubter, I'm a doubter. Well, just hold on. Um, but inside this group of Jesus' closest disciples, there were those who worshiped and those who doubted. Now, what can we do with that? Well, we can identify with it. And what we can do is um, listen to how Jesus addresses the fact. L look on with me. Some of you are like, okay, I don't understand, but you, you will in a second. 18, it says, and Jesus came to them and said. So remember, worshipers and doubters, Jesus comes to them. Who, who's them? Okay, the all of them. So he comes to the worshipers and the doubters, Right? He doesn't single out, okay, I'm going to talk to the worshipers, they're, they're more, they, they, they believe more, so I'm going to talk to them this way, and the doubters, I've got to specialize my, my message to them. No, he comes to both of them, both groups, the worshipers and the doubters, and he says one thing, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So, just think about that. Think about the, the, the impact that that would have, or should have, or does have on you, on me. Do, Wherever you are, if you're in a worshiper camp or if you're in a doubter camp, those words speak to you. Because what does Jesus do with those simple words? He levels the playing field. He levels the playing field and he says, here's the deal. It's not about you. 
It's about me and what I have done. I love that he does this right before he gives us the greatest commissioning ever. He says, although you may be a worshiper or, or although that you may be a doubter, all authority is mine. You are mine. You fall under my authority. Some will push back. Well, that's, that's where I, I, I'm going to step off the, the bus here, Lee, because I don't like authority. I'm not saying my authority. I'm not saying the church's authority. I'm saying what Jesus is saying. He's saying his authority. And he says, all authority on heaven and on earth is his. Even President Trump has to bow down to Jesus, right? Even maybe sometimes he doesn't think he has to. I'm, I'm, not, getting, you know, I'm not political. But all authority, all authority on heaven and on earth is Jesus's. So I love this because it doesn't matter what it means or what, what um, type of, of mindset that the disciples had, if they were the worshipers or if they were the doubters, as they went up on the mountain, once they got up on that mountain, they were all on the same playing field. They were all made equal because they all fell equally under the authority of God. All right? I, I, I want us to start with that because I think that that helps us understand what Jesus is then going to say. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's start at the end there and just highlight it says, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. If we take and we take the, what is called the Great Commission. Um, if you've heard that term, awesome. Uh, if you have not, this is what the Great Commission is, where Jesus says, go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them. But if we would take that aspect out of it, and we would just look at what Jesus said about all authority on heaven and earth belongs to me, and then if we would look at, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age, those are pretty good bookends, Right? Everybody knows what the bookend is, right? I know that there's no bookends on your devices. Some of us, like old-fashioned hardback books, like you have a bookshelf and there's an end here and an end here and all the books in between. At least somebody say, yeah, I know what a bookend is, right? Okay, thank you. I'm like, wow, Dan, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Wake up. So it's a good bookend that all authority is Jesus's. And he says, I'm going to be with you always. What more do we need in life? If all authority is Jesus's, and he says, I'm going to be with you always, that means at all times, all authority is with you. Even though the world makes it sound like it's not. But, but that's not what I want to focus on today. I want to use that as encouragement. If you don't hear anything else, that's the encouragement. But Jesus says something that is very, very, very important he says, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations. What is near and dear to the heart of God is discipleship. I can tell you that with certainty because you don't have to turn there. In John chapter 17, uh, verse 4, Jesus says that I've glorified you having accomplished that which you have given me to do. And what Jesus is referring to is he is referring to the discipleship and the making of disciples that he did on earth before the cross, before the empty tomb. 
So I can, I can unequivocally say with, with 100% certainty that discipleship is vitally important. The last thing that Jesus says before he uh, goes up into, he takes a, the, you know, leaves on a jet plane is, here's what I want you to do. Go and make disciples. Now, as we sit here and as we hear that, we're like, okay, whew, I got it. I need to make disciples. All right. How do I make disciples? No one's going to say that out loud. And some of you will even say, well, I'm not equipped. I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. I don't, I, whatever, whatever the excuse is. I, I can't make disciples. Let me ask you this. And, I, and this is a question as I was coming through. It's like, what? This was my thought. How does Jesus expect his disciples to make disciples? Go and tell. Go and tell right? Going. But, but think about that. How does Jesus expect his disciples? He says, okay, yes, you need to go and, and, and tell. But what is the expectation that Jesus has put on his disciples? Is it something that they can't achieve? They can do it. A absolutely, they can do it. Why can they do it? Because they love Jesus, because he is with them. How about, that's what he trained them to do. For three years, Jesus met with his, the, 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 these men. For three years, they were trained by Jesus. So, how did Jesus expect them to make disciples? And I love this. This is where we're all going to need to grab hold of. By being disciples. By being disciples. Now, because here's the deal. Uh, you've heard me say before, maybe you haven't, that we need to be faithful in the smalls and trust God for the bigs, Right? Faithful in the smalls, trust God for the bigs. The smalls, if we look at this discipleship understanding here, the smalls is being a disciple. The bigs is making the disciples. Making a disciple is a natural fruit of being a disciple. If we are being true disciples of Christ, and, and, and hear me out on this, different levels, different um, situations, not everybody is going to be the Billy Graham or, or um, the, the Ray, what's that guy's name, Ray Comfort, or, or any of these big gurus when it comes to understanding how or have a lot of, of a discipleship following. Not everybody's going to be there. Some people are, are, are so focused on, like, I just want to be before I can make. And, and that's what I want to focus on today is just, let's just, let's just take a, a step back. I'm not minimizing making. I 100% fully believe that making will happen if we're being. So what we're going to look, talk about in the next few minutes here is just being a disciple. And let's let the making of the disciple let God do that as we're being a disciple. We tracking? <laughs> tracking. All right, turn to Mark chapter 1. As you're turning there, I think that it's important to um, give you the, the definition and the invitation of what it means to be a disciple as we define it here at the church. Uh, and, and you've heard this, I'm sure, but maybe not. A, a, a disciple, as we're talking here, is a believer in Jesus Christ. So it's important that, that we, we focus on the believing in Jesus Christ. So it's a believer in Jesus Christ whose life is changed by following Christ and his commands. A believer in Jesus Christ whose life is changed by following Christ and his commands. And that's what we're going to, we're going to talk three points and, and we'll be done. 
Because I think it's important. Okay, where did we get this, you know, a believer whose life is changed by following? Mark chapter 1, verse 17. Um, Jesus says this. He also says this in, in uh, this, this same account in, uh, I think it's Matthew chapter 4. But Jesus says in Mark chapter 1, verse 17, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. So I, I, I love this because I think there's a, a lot that we can pull out of just this one verse. But it all starts with following Jesus. So the first point I want to, to um, uh, stress to you or I want to communicate to you is being a disciple involves, all three of these are going to start out that way, being a disciple involves first following what Jesus says. Here Jesus says, follow me. He, he doesn't say, okay, you got to do this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and then this, 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 this. No, he says, follow me. Clear cut, just follow me. Now, I, I like this because I, I've heard uh, this question asked, and, and I think it's, it's an applicable question. Um, what if Jesus really expected us to do what he said? Have you ever asked that question? What if Jesus really expected us to do what he said? That would change a whole lot. And it should because Jesus did and does expect us to do what he has said. And I don't think that we look at this and like, oh my goodness gracious, there's so many things he said. Yes, there's a lot that he said. Let's take this a little bit at a time. The first thing he said is, follow me. Follow me. Now, what does it mean to follow? I love this because in just those words, follow me, happens, or that phrase is used over 20-some times in the Gospels alone. Jesus uses it. Follow me, follow me, follow me. So it's important. So following implies movement. You can't follow Jesus and stand still. The Christian life, a disciple of Jesus Christ, if your life is going to be changed, it's not going to be changed with your feet firmly planted and not moving. What do you mean? Does that mean I got to go to Africa? No, I'm not saying that. What that means is understanding that your, your walk with Christ, and I love that, that terminology, because that comes straight from uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, where it says, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, the Lord, so walk in Him. Our relationship with Jesus is a walk. Some of it, it it's a leisurely stroll. Some of it, it's a high-paced march. Some of it, it's like trudging along, it feels like sometimes. But nonetheless... It implies action. And Jesus says, follow me. So now, I, I, I love this. We were at, um, we were at Walmart. Was it, it was yesterday. And this popped into my mind. And my wife's going to kill me even more. But anywho, um, so we're walking in Walmart. And I, I, I'm, for those you don't, under, don't know me, one of the things I'm, I work on a lot is patience. Um, so I'm, I'm a little, especially when it comes to Walmart and going, I, I hate going to Walmart with my wife. I love being with my wife, and that's the only reason I go there, but I hate going there with her. Um, and then she wants to, to, to talk to me, so she's walking beside me, and, and, and I'm like, okay, what do we need? Oh, we need this, and I don't know where everything's at in Walmart. I'm like, all right. She's like, da-da-da, talking to me, going along. Don't get mad at me. Uh, talk, <laughs> talking to me. Like, she's being relational, which is awesome, and I, I, uh, we need that. All I want is for her to go, and I'm going to follow you. 
So you, you just, and that's what it was. It was, uh, what was it, rice or uh, what was it we had, you had to get? I can't remember. Anyways, I'm, I, I finally kind of snapped a little bit. I said, just go, I'm going to follow you. Because I, 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 if, if she's going where she needs to go, I'm a very good follower. I'm, I'm going. We're, we're going. But if we're walking side by side, and this is where people a lot of times say, well, I'm just walking with Jesus side by side. Well, that's not how it's intended to be. We're, we're to follow after Jesus. So he's supposed to be out in front of us, and we're following behind him. Please lead me through Walmart, and it'll be a whole lot better. We didn't just have a discussion. All right, you're always talking about me. Lead, and that's the thing. Be willing, and this is, to, to be able to follow after something or someone, you have to be willing to be led. You have to be willing to be led. And, and when Jesus says, follow me, you have to submit to him and follow after him. Be willing to be led by him. Even if it's through Walmart, right? <laughs> Pray for me. So becoming a disciple involves following what Jesus says. And there's a lot of things that Jesus says. And a lot of them are not as clear cut and, and is not a, a, as um, clear to understand. And, and there takes some, maybe you need some spiritual discernment. Maybe you need someone to help you understand it. Fine. But when, when we know something that Jesus says, when we know what the Bible says about something and we choose to do the opposite, we're not following him. We're not following him. The second thing. Being a disciple involves becoming something you were not previously. This is one of the things that, that, that hurts me the most because too many people want to add Jesus to their life. Too many people want to take and, and um, think, okay, I got things, things are going okay, or maybe they're not, but if I just add God into my life, it'll be better. And they think that they can still be the same way that they've already have been or they, the way in which they live. But if they just add Jesus into their life, then, okay, everything's good. Well, one thing, Jesus, God is a jealous God. The Bible's clear about that. But what we have to understand is you cannot be a disciple of Jesus and not be changed. Now, that does not mean that you're not special and you're not unique. Y'all special. We're all special. God has, he has created us specially, uniquely, each one of us. I'm not saying that everybody has to be clones and act the same way. I'm not saying that at all. God made you the way in which you are for a reason. But if you can hold on to your sinfulness and say, I'm not going to change in those areas, God did not make you for that reason. So if we can say, I'm just going to add Jesus to my life, we're missing the boat because Jesus has to become our life because why? He gave his life in exchange for our life. So being a, a, a disciple involves becoming something you were not previously. I, I, I love that um, how Paul says this in, in Romans chapter 12. Um, turn there. Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 2, it says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So oh, there's a transformation that takes place. And I love the original language here. The, the Greek um, word here is metamorpho. Metamorpho. What, what does that sound like? 
metamorphous, right? It's, it's the, the understanding of like what a, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Miss Stephanie, uh, what, what a, 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 a caterpillar goes through to become a butterfly, that transformation that takes place. So here it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That does not mean that we, and here's, here's what I want us to work on here, myself included. Quit trying to be something you're not and make, and just be who it is that God has made you, but be a sanctified you. And some of you are like, I don't understand what that means. Don't try to be someone. You're not. Don't try to act holy. Don't try to, oh, I can't make sure I can't say this and don't say this and I, I do this and I don't do. Don't try to do all of that. Be who you are, but be a more sanctified you. That is not a license to sin, by the way. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying don't try to be something that you're not. Because if you try to be something that you're, that you're not, all you're going to do is you're going to be frustrated. You're going to be ineffective. Because why? God didn't make you to be someone else. God didn't make you to be me or Dan or my lovely, beautiful, amazing wife. Right? Dang it. It looks like I'll be eating hot dogs for lunch. Um, But God made, and you've heard me say this, and I love this, God made you, you for a reason, right? Be the sanctified you that he made you to be. That's what we need to grab hold of. And we need to understand that, that when we're with Jesus, now hear me, when you're with Jesus, you will be changed. When you spend time with him. Maybe you're thinking here like, you know, I haven't, and I'm not really any different than I used to be. I, I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty. How much time are you spending with the one who says all authority is mine? The one who says I'm going to be with you Always. I'm not just saying, okay, I got to check off the mark. I, I did my, you know, my, my daily Bible reading. I did, no, how much, how much time are you, you do you have um, um, uh, intimately experiencing God? So the, 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 um, uh, uh, the, the word intimate, and maybe I said this before, but the, that, that word of that intimate relationship that we have, we should have with, with, with Jesus is that intimate relationship that we can have with one another. And that's not a, a sexual thing or it's not a physical thing on that. It's, it's understanding that intimacy is a shared experience. So think about that, a shared experience. How much of your life is a shared experience with God? That is not a, oh crap, I'm in a bad situation, God help me. That is not a shared experience. It's when we're entering into everything that we're doing, we're inviting him, not that he needs an invitation, but we're inviting him to be a part of that. We're sharing whatever it is that we're doing, whatever it is we're experiencing with him. I love what it says in Acts chapter 4. Uh, you can turn there. You don't have to. Come up. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Um, there's something that goes on in the temple, and, and there's some craziness that's happening. There's a miracle that takes place. And, and um, the, the, the people of the temple that are supposed to be the, the learned people, the, the ones that are the, well, we're the religious people, they, they look at Jesus' disciples, and they identify something about them. Look what it says there. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men. It doesn't mean that they were stupid. It says that they were just uneducated common men. They were astonished. 
They didn't have any Bible, learn, or any Bible school learning. They didn't have any seminary. They didn't have any, any type of formal training. They didn't walk after uh, uh, the, the, these other rabbis and everything. It says that they were common, they were common men. And, and those learned people said, said they, they acted astonished. Why? It says, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. All this crazy, all these miracles were taking place. And these men were different. And the identifying characteristic or the reason why they were different is because they were with Jesus. They shared life with Jesus. Why can't do that? Because Jesus ain't here anymore. He's here more now than ever. And we can share every aspect of our lives with him. Because why? He wants to. The Bible says that he cares for us. The third and final one here comes from Mark chapter 12. A third and final point, and, and we'll be done. Being involved, or being a disciple involves following what Jesus says, becoming something you were not previously. And, and, and hear me say this if you don't change, you won't follow. I, I'm, that, that's not just me trying to be mean. If you don't change, you won't follow. Why? Because you, the way in which your sin nature, the, the sinfulness, your flesh, is, the Bible says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Your flesh will take you places you don't really want to go unless you change. And I'm not asking you to be, and, we're, and it's not saying to be something that you're not, but unless you change, you will not follow. You got to answer that question. Am I willing to be led? And if you're willing to be led, okay, what are you doing to be led? Let me go on. Being a disciple involves the entire person. The entire person, not just a portion. The entire person. Look at what it says there in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. When Jesus is asked what's the greatest commandment, the greatest commandment that there is, is this one. That you should love God with everything that you are. With everything that you are. Well, that kind of sounds weird. Sure. Yeah. It, it, it does. But if you're waving the banner of Christian... What you believe is weird. What you believe is someone died for you and was raised on the third day and is alive today sitting at the right hand of the Father. Right? So if it's weird, like I can't do, I can't live my life, every part of my life. I got to keep some for myself. That's selfishness, right? That's pride, that's sin. Think about this. God wants, wants more for you. God wants better for you than you can even imagine. Paul says that, 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 that God um, can, can do more than we can even ask, the more that we can even dream up. Think about this. We can see all these movies and everything, that all these special effects and everything. That pales in comparison to what God can do. And he wants to do it in you, and he wants to do it in me. If that sounds weird, so be it. But understand that your whole person, God wants to use all of you. Not just your head, not just your hand, 
Not just your heart. Everybody says, well, God just wants your heart. Yes, he does. But because it, it's inside of you, it's connected to everything else. God wants all of you. And being a disciple of him is identifying that I'm all in. I'm all in. And that's one of the hardest things to do for us, especially as a, as a society that says, you know, you got to watch out for yourself and you got to, you know, take care of yourself. And if we would just submit to God and let him take care of us, things would be different. If we were to say, okay, I just, yes, I want to make disciples, but man, I need to be a better disciple. If we just work on the being and focus on the being, I think every single one of you, all of us, every single one of us would be changed. Well, I'm already a Christian. I, I get it. But, but the Bible says that we, we are to be transformed from one degree of glory to the next, to the next, to the next. God wants to do a work in us that supersedes anything that we can dream up. And what brings glory to God you and me being a disciple of his.